Welcome to another episode of Idiopod. I am TJ Stone. I am Shane Glover. And today's episode is with our good buddy Tim Timmons. Or as he likes to go be known, Ryan Ryanson. Uh, or alias Robert Robertson. <laughs> William Williams. <laughs> Joshua Joshins. Oh, that was a stretch. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. He loves to go by all those names. John Johnson is what probably his favorite. That one sounds made up. John Johnson? Yeah. But Rob Roberts. That one I could believe. <laughs> I can believe Rob Roberts. Sounds like a Scottish name. Yeah. I like it. I'm Rob Roberts from the Highlands of Scotland. Oh, hey, that's not that's that's not bad. Yeah, that might be my best accent. That's not bad. It's you know what it is? It's my Sean Connery. Oh, okay. You like Sean. Now, here's my question. Are you doing an impression of Sean Connery or your impression of uh, Daryl Hammond doing Sean Connery on Saturday Night Live? Oh, that is a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, it sounds perfect. Anyway. What are we talking about? <laughs> Tim Timmons. Tim Timmons. Timbo. That's it. That's it. Yeah, well, we had a fun conversation with Tim, but he also was able to talk about, you know, some real mm-hmm. big stuff in life. And uh, his story is just like one of the coolest stories I know. Very cool story. Um, yeah, he's so uh, a big part of his story is that he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which he still has, which he technically still has the tumors. Yep. Um, but it, but he was diagnosed what for. 14 years ago? I don't know. Something like that. It was before any of his kids were born. Yeah, so something in that range. And uh, is just living his best life, man. He's just doing great. Probably the most joyful person, mm-hmm. legit, that I've ever known. Yeah. And he wakes up every morning just thankful for another day. You know? And it's like, wow. Yeah. It's really good. He, he makes me want to be happier to wake up in the morning. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if I'll ever be that happy. You know, and my most best, of the day, like I feel like he is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever hit that mark. Yeah. But on my best day, as an Enneagram Seven, I can hit about seventy, seventy-five percent of a, a Tim Timmons. Well done. But uh, you know, he he sets the the mark high. He, he sets a high standard. Uh, but he has a great story. Has written some incredible music. Incredible music that you probably know. Uh, he's an incredible worship leader, and uh, he is also on staff at our church, Journey Church here in Franklin. Uh, well, actually, it's in Brentwood, Tennessee, and uh, he runs our, our small groups and does a great job with that, too. He's just a well-rounded, head, bald head of a guy. And that's that's really where we connect and, and our hearts align. <laughs> yes, the, you did. The bearded, bald head, guys with glasses club. <laughs> that beard, though, wow, it's a... It's a masterpiece. It is a piece of art. It is. I I can't aspire to that level. Me either. Yeah. I basically keep a keep a layer of scruff to hide some of my uh, chub. That's mostly what I do is just to hide the, the yeah. double chin. Yeah. Yeah. But the beard like that, that's not within my grasp. That's a mountain man's. Yes, it is. Mountain man's beard. Anyway, we had a fun talk. And it was great. I think you're going to love it. You're going to love it. As always, check out idiopod.com for all your idiopod needs and enjoy this episode. Like, review, subscribe. Tim Timmons. And we are recording. And hey. speaking yeah. of good heat, ABR, baby. The, ABR. The best heat in the world is the idiopod with myself, TJ Stone, and my buddy. I'm Shane Glover. Whoop. It's great to be here. Gosh, it's good to and see you. And we are here with our really buddy good. Tim Timmons. Tim Tom Tommins. Tom Tommins. <laughs> Timmy Tom Timbo Timmons. Yeah. I, I Love did it. I did think your name was a stage name at first. Yeah. Most people do. It sounds like. Yeah, Tim Timmons. Okay, but what's your real name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Okay, then, my real name is Rob Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> that would be rich. Rob Robertson. <laughs> yeah, I Jamie actually, our, our mutual friend and pastor, he the other day we were talking and he just started into this thing like oh i had a friend named you know justin justins i'm like man i wish that was a like a new comment for yeah. me but it could be like a daily comment like totally. oh tim timmons i have a friend rob robbins yeah 
So I gave him a lot of crap for it, and it's been really a good little bit. I so love it. Try it at any point when I'm talking too loud. Just go, okay, John Johnson. Next question. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought of that, but that is probably something you get like almost on the daily. Yeah. When meeting people. Yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of dumb questions, but that's 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 one of them. <laughs> so, man, Tim, tell us just a, a little bit about how how you grew up and kind of kind of how you started your journey into what will eventually become who you are today. Woo. Just start there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Just> no pressure. <laughs> well, uh, man, I don't know where to start with that one. Um, How about where you tell grew us, up? Tell us about little Timmy, Timmy Timmons. Little Timmy, uh, and that's a perfect name because little Timmy was actually not very little, to be real honest. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know if, why I'd say to be honest. Um, yeah, little Timmy wore husky pants, oh. husky jeans. Yep. And... Um, you know, I, I didn't fit in little boys' pants anymore, mm-hmm. and I didn't fit in big boys' pants because, you know, the crotch was too big oh, yeah, in, totally. for those. And so I fit. My mom said, oh, there's a new brand from JCPenney called Huskies. You are speaking I'm like, my language, oh, bro. Huskies are cool dogs. I love Huskies, you know. <laughs> and so what I didn't get is she could have just said, Tim, you're just a little, little overweight, and, you know, let's tuck that in a little bit. <laughs> but I wore Huskies proud for years until I realized what they were. Uh, but that honestly did shape me a lot, mm-hmm. uh, in good ways and in bad ways. Um, what were some of the the good ways? Uh, I think the good ways. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think I was. I, I'm. I'm a. I'm pretty extroverted. I'm pretty out there. I love people. I talk to people, and um, there's something good about walking humbly as a person like that. Like I had, I, I was, I didn't think I was that awesome. Um, I think if I was really hot and good looking, which I've never been and nor will be, I think mm, at that point it would have, I would have been like, I don't know. I, I just think it shaped me in a good place, um, to find humility early Yeah. and then kids making fun of me. You know, that was like, that was also those, you look back and go, that's so tough, but also really great. Right. Um, I'm sure it wasn't really great at the time. No, of course not. But it shapes it shapes you in a really beautiful way. I mean, all calamity. Yeah. Can. Um, How did sorrow. you deal with it at at the time? Uh, I don't know. I think I just kept playing. I was like, "Well, that's happening, but I can go play soccer. Let's go do this." You know. So mm. I was really active. But. Um, that's so interesting, man. You're, why? you're speaking my language for sure. I had a similar upbringing. I had also, because we're like, you're like three months older than me. Really? Yeah. February 76. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, May yeah. 76. Gosh. So old men. Old men. Yeah. Uh, I also wore the Huskies uh. and all that. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I think, of course, a lot of the work you do looking back, I don't think at the time I had any. I actually didn't deal a lot with people making fun of me or anything like mm. that. And I think it's because I. I learned real quick how to beat him to the with with humor with humor totally I man I get that yep and so I was m- mildly popular to for to use a really lame word uh, <laughs> and so it was never really an issue of being bullied or yeah made fun of or anything like that because I just made it to where you will like being around me you coped yeah yeah now now which, I see that which shaped you in actually some yeah, really fun ways totally totally. And also, yeah, yeah, yeah that make I'm I totally resonate with that. Um, I had teeth the size of Kansas and <laughs> Texas together, that were just. Wow. It wasn't like they, you know, were in the place and they're big. They were like shooting out like they were guns that I could shoot. I mean, it was awesome, you guys. That was, it just added to my hotness. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So kids would call me names, and then they this kid would be like, "Your teeth are crooked." I'm like, "Well, you're." Okay. Uh, yep. You're right. You know, so it just <laughs> added to my the dang. Yeah. The you know what? This is not going to get me anywhere. It's being awesome looking. Like that's not going to do it for us. So. So do you have to go through the braces? All. Well, yeah, that? I went through about 24 years of orthodontia. Oh wow. Not really, but it felt like 24. Years. I was in college, you know, making out with my wife to be in braces, like, like getting her hey. lips cut. Totally. <laughs> Tim, did you put wax on? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I did. 
uh, yeah, but I think those are all good, good yeah. gifts as I look back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of those as I look back that are good gifts. And you grew up West Coast? West Coast, Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, son of a... Son of a preacher kid? That's what I was Nope, about. son of a preacher. Yeah. Um, and that was also shaping in really mostly all great ways. Really? Oh, that's yeah. Great. That's not usually what most people no, say. No, I didn't have that story. I had other parts of the story. Um, you know, my dad did some things that he would not say he was proud of, mm-hmm. and that turned into a total crap storm, if you will, Yeah. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, and so it turned real bad. My my life growing up was just chubby and awesome up until that point. Yeah, sure. And then... Um, Stuff he wasn't proud of, like, as As it pastor. had an emotional affair yeah. with a woman, and mm. then it turned, then the whole world got into it the tvs the newspaper sure. he was a, mm. he was a as we big do deal yeah let's let's uh, and it just it just turned it just turned bad real quick yeah and he is a total stud and watching him actually um have a bunch of dirt on people but not turn around and use it on people oh, yeah. yeah sure um actually shaped me a lot dang i bet so and, and you know he messed up um and did stupid things and so do i so it's and it's, so do we all. Yeah, yeah. So that's also been good, just as a Jesus follower to watch and go. Okay, yeah. I don't want to do that. I mm-hmm. I want to do it like this. Yeah. And I really appreciated how he went through it. And he also did some dumb things going through it, and as we all would. Um, and my folks divorced through all that stuff, and you know, just which was my first main sorrow. I remember sure. sitting on my couch, um, my parents inviting us to like a family meeting. Hmm. And uh, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get a puppy," you know. <laughs> and then they said, "Well, we're we're getting separated." And Man. I was like, oh, okay. Did so I still get the puppy. Yeah, yeah. Where's well, puppy was like eight hundred years old at that point. So, um, so, so that how, was like my first main sorrow. How old were you when they divorced? Uh, well, they got separated my beginning of my freshman year of high school, and then divorced in college. Okay. Or end mm. of high school. So, was it like a back and forth? Maybe they'll get back together. No, no it just, it just was. Mm. I, I mean, I'm sure they tried and they did certain things, but yeah, that's, that's their story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it shaped me in beautiful ways and in really rough ways. So, how did how you saw kind of the, their relationship play out? Kind of shape how you approached relationships. Hmm. Um. Honestly, I look at, you know, so, you know, there's a guy named Doug Fields who is a big youth worker, you know, um, and just a guru. And and he actually, I grew up with him. He was the youth pastor at my dad's church. And I watched these marriages and I didn't really model mine after my folks, Mm. but I modeled my relationships after Doug's and after Mm. um, Doug Root, who's another, you know, hero and. Andrew and all these di- different men and I women that I just loved. Yeah, that, that really had, they were just around and then they put their thumbprints on me. Mm. And I say, I I'm, I like literally wanted my marriage to be like theirs. Wow. And I'm so thankful that I had those people, that Jesus put those people in my life. Yeah. To kind of go, okay, th- that thing messed up and there's some totally. things you can look at and learn from. Yeah. But let's just, let's aim at these. Sounds like God put a lot of of mentors uh, at a crucial time when yeah. when a lot of turmoil was going on in your in your family situation. Oh, story after story after story as I look back. Yeah. The different ways of people shaping me as a musician or as an artist and um, songwriter to sports to all these things. I literally mm-hmm. Jesus just put these people in my way. Yeah. And they put major thumbprints on my life. Which is a great, I mean, that's the gift to anybody who's doing anything with youth yeah. right now, like you guys do. That's mm-hmm. why we do it. I mean, it's like, th- those are the years when these thumbprints are yeah. so powerful. I mean, so it's always crucial. powerful, but yeah. man, yes, so well done. No doubt. So at what point did music really enter your story and, and kind of become a big piece of your life? 
Well, I was a pretty amazing drummer at seven. I don't want to brag about it, Come on. but I was. I'm, I'm pretty brag away. No, I really wasn't that good. But I started <laughs> drums at seven, yeah. and um, and then started playing the piano. Um, when I was younger, but hated lessons. It was like this is stupid. Seriously. I just want to go play and yeah. be chubby. I had the. I better not say that on a recorded. <laughs> I would have. I would have, looking back, preferred a different piano inf- inform- uh, w- way of explaining piano to me. I took, pi- I took piano was it the teacher? for 11 years. Oh, wow. But it was all classical, like, I guess, like, like figure out what this, figure out how to play this. So what I took away from it was I have a really piano music. right here. We could really, we could show you. You don't want that? Yeah. What I took away from it reading music but I had nothing for like, hey, yeah. just come play, play in the key of G. I'm like, ooh, which, <laughs> which ones are in that? Is it part of Claire de Lune? <laughs> exactly. Is Chopsticks I'm in like, there? Oh right. man, eleven years. And yeah. For the th- music I would want to play now, it did me no good. Yeah. Hmm. So. Well, blessings. Yes, Amen. I bless. So you. I picked up the guitar at eleven, and um, started writing songs, and then. That's a pretty young age to start mm-hmm. writing songs. What yeah. what sort of propelled that? Oh, they were terrible. Golly. I just was like, oh, that's cool. I remember the mentors. I just talked to a mentor, one of those guys that shaped me, um, the other night. I just saw him at this event. I'm like, man, I just want to say thank you. I was a kid, and I looked up to you so much. Oh, that's cool. And everything I do now is really partly because I watched you and I wanted to be like you. Dang, that's pretty cool. Wow. So, How did he receive that? Uh, Pretty great. I mean, it's... It's like, oh, man, no, thanks. And at the moment, like you guys are doing work right now, at the moment, it's just kind of a grind. You're just doing what you do. Sure. But later down the road is when those stories really start coming oh, yeah. out. Yeah. Sowing seeds for probably someone else to cultivate later. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not our job. Our job is just to be present and yeah. do what we do. So anyway, started um, leading you know, music and worship at 11 and through junior high and then once um, my folk stuff started happening, and I taught myself piano at that time, you know, actually real piano, which I'm amazing on the white keys. Yes. I can't figure out the black ones, but I'm amazing on the white keys. Um, well, you got half of them then. Yeah, I got half of them. Well, maybe. <laughs> is that is that half? Um, Not quite. Not quite. I started writing songs because I had to, because my folks were mm. a mess. and Needed the outlet. It just became an outlet for me. Mm. I really resonate with that. That's yeah, we've talked about that in the same past. Same reason I yeah. did. Yeah, totally. So that was one of the great gifts for me with music, and still is till this day. Is now I just write prayers, my prayers, mm. and then for some reason other people get to pray them. Mm-hmm. That's the so awesome. That's pretty sweet. So cool. So that that really became for me in that whole season a way for me to process through stuff. Now well, you, you mentioned soccer. Yes. Which obviously later in life became. A big deal for you. I don't. Yeah, when I was in the pros, no, I just played in college. Yeah, not no just. Yeah, I mean, take the just off. That's yeah. Yeah, I was, I was a goalie. Okay. So basically, you just sit in a box and let people kick balls at you yeah, or yours. You gotta have instincts. You gotta have hands. Yeah, yeah. I get it. How much yep. of a passion was that? Was there a was there a battle between that music or did they coexist? Not really. They just coexisted, and yeah. then once it was like, no, I need to support myself and get a job yeah. because I want to play music. So it was pretty easy to give okay. up. It's pretty easy awesome. to give up. Yeah, music has always been something I wanted to do. I never wanted to do Christian music. I never wanted to lead worship, ever. I just knew I was good at it, so I could get by. And um, so I started a church called Saddleback. When I was in college, I started doing with Doug Fields and I did this. We started the college ministry there. Mm-hmm. And so I started leading um, there. And it's just like, okay, I'm good at this, but I want to go out and do mainstream stuff. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, my hero was a guy named David Wilcox. And he's just mm-hmm. insane. And he would, he was the most beautiful worship service ever, but he never mentioned the word Jesus. Like somehow he told enough stories to get people interested and they all of a sudden found you find yourself in the middle of his stories and then he sings a song and you're like oh dang dang it this is so good so i wanted to go do that and point people to jesus but not talk about jesus in christian music i just never wanted to be a part of because it was like they're just talking to themselves anyways so yeah oh yeah like i don't who cares yeah so anyways that's a whole long story of how i got into 
doing what I'm doing and passionate about what I get to do now. I feel more like a missionary to Christians and with Christians than I do mm. playing for Christian people. Like, I don't really care to do that. So, so. at what point, because you mentioned it earlier, did you shift the sort of the focus of your songwriting to being about processing kind of your stuff to almost, instead of just being songs for other people to to hear, yeah, art, yeah, to be like prayers. Yeah. Uh, I think it was around the time. So um, I found out that I was diagnosed with an incurable cancer 18 years ago. And you were what age at that point? Uh, 20, 24, 23. Wow. Like that. I don't know. Somewhere in there, 25. And I remember it was a real interesting shift because I I was just I had been working for a church called Marist Church doing high school ministry, and um, I was about to leave. I was two weeks out of uh, away from leaving the church staff job, and going out and pursuing mainstream music full time. And I was like, okay, peace out, thanks. That was really great, but I'm out. And then uh, two weeks before it, that's when I found out that I had this incurable cancer and had five years to live and. Mm. So the church held me on. They said, why don't you just stay here? Don't leave. Just stay here. You can lead every once in a while. And so in that process, in that time, God started changing my heart. Seeing, I started seeing that the math actually was that I could go out and get one person at a time and point them to truth. And hopefully Jesus would meet them there because that's his job. Yeah. Um, or I could be leading a group of people and each of them know 10 people that I don't know. And it was like, wow, that's multiplication mm -hmm. all of a sudden. So I was like, man, that might be more powerful for, for me for this next season. So yeah. it was at that time that a hero of mine named Stan Endicott, he said, hey, man, could I hire you to be the worship leader at this community? And I'm like, actually, yes. <laughs> I would ne I can't believe I'm saying yes, uh -huh. but yes, I would love that. How could we help these people see beyond just being Christians and actually see Jesus and then Jesus could come through these people, then they're like a bunch of people will see Jesus, not just through me and my music. So yeah. that's what got me excited. And then I started leading worship, led worship there fifteen years and then left eight ish years ago and this is what I get to do now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. What was your spiritual journey like through the diagnosis and the treatments and all that? What yeah, so um, mine, uh, man, I never got to the place of like, God, you suck. Yeah. I can't believe you're doing this to me. It was more just sadness Yeah, and trying to lean into the sadness. Sure. Um for my wife, it was about a year of us going, okay, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. And then I wasn't healed. And she's like, okay, screw you, God. Like you really, mm -hmm. you hosed me. Sure. Yeah. So she had a few year um, run of just wrestling match with sure, God. Man. How, how long had you been married at that point? We were married probably two, three years maybe at mm. that point. So we were newly married, you know. Yeah. So that was quite a season to see where she is today is beautiful yeah but yeah. would never have happened without something like that sure oh, kind of sure. like being chubby as a kid like kind of look back and go man everything belongs everything belongs it just does um and that's yeah that's hard to say in the middle of really hard things yeah you know, i have a friend dying in california right now of mm. cancer and he's in hospice and everybody's there and waiting for him to die for the past five days Damn. you know wow. and um to tell his wife and his kids right now that everything belongs. Right. She'd, Romans 8, 28, yeah, guys. Right. Yeah, she'd give me a swift Shut kick. Up. Yeah. But looking back, um, Jesus is still at work. Absolutely. So anyways, I, I left I left that community. The, the, my spiritual growth during that was beautiful, and then I got to a place where I was pretty comfortable being an awesome varsity Christian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this stuff isn't working anymore. My soul is tired. I'm exhausted. I'm an amazing varsity Christian, but I don't have this joy that I'm singing about or that mm. I'm pimping yeah. or the peace or all these things I'm supposed to have. I just right. am a really good Christian. And so I was soul tired. And that's when I started asking bigger questions about like, what does Jesus actually care about? And that's when Jesus pulled me out of this community um, and out of a job really. 
And that was at that point. That was like ten eight years. years ago. That was probably ten years after the time they had given you to live or yeah. originally, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'd kind of gone, been going through that and just trying to take every day and be thankful for every day, which I still get to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm. I'm even for that season when I was, you know, leaving this cush job, great, you know, money, all the things, and. It was the greatest gift Jesus ever gave me was pushing me out. I've always wondered for a, a cancer like that, especially one that was quote-unquote incurable, um, to be freed from that, is there any type of fear, maybe initially, that you just kind of live like, when's this coming back? Um. Well, to clarify, I still have tumors, so... It is not gone, technically. Mm. Cancer's all still there in my body and doing what it does. So Whoa. it never was, like, gone, oh. per se. So the gift in it is it's a daily, like, okay, I got it. Wow. Home. Oh, my So gosh. my tumors haven't grown in two years, which is amazing. Like, my doctor's yeah. like, man, we've never seen this, so... Wow. Good on you. Keep, you know, eating your Cheerios or whatever you're doing. It's a miracle. Yeah, I think, I think I just keep getting to wake up and I think Jesus has big things just in me to teach me that I get to teach my kids and invite them into big things and yeah. hopefully invite the rest of the world into big things. Dude, I got to tell you, I didn't realize that. I just kind of assumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most do. You know, it was incurable. Well, obviously that was 18 years ago. You're yeah. healed, which... Maybe in a way you are, but it's yeah. not gone. Yeah. It's not so, remission, technically. Yeah, no, it doesn't go in remission yeah. unless Jesus takes it away completely. So they're right in saying it's incurable. You kind of, in a way, have it. Yeah. Except. The diagnosis is all still there, yeah. My goodness. And so the, some of the things I've heard you say are even heavier to me. Like, because I've heard you say before. Yeah. Just, dude, I got to wake up today. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No freaking kidding. It's the gift for me. I, I literally call my cancer diagnosis, and I try to like not own it and call it my cancer, but my, my diagnosis, I call it like a Trojan horse yeah. for me. Right. That because of it, I have a credibility when I walk into a room and people know about that. I mean, I don't tout it and don't, you know, there are many interviews that I do in radio, and I don't even talk about that until somebody... Yeah. Sure. My favorite interview is when somebody said, hey, this is Tim Timmons, and he has cancer. How are you? I'm yeah. like, oh, my, well, okay. I'm good and bald. Um, <laughs> but this Trojan horse, this idea that it like allows me into the wall of the institutional church or into the people's hearts, mm -hmm. that then I get to actually talk about something bigger than Christianity yep. or this dumb religion thing. I get to actually talk about a bigger Jesus. And yeah. so um, I'm so grateful for my journey. I wouldn't trade my journey with cancer for anything in the world. At what point did you make that shift to just treating it as a blessing more than like a curse? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think I've seen it that way for a long time, just at different levels. You know, at first you think, oh, this will just be good for other people and yeah. really be a blessing. I was talking to a, a cancer patient today on the phone, which I get to do here and there, and he was basically kind of saying, well, I'm thankful that it's helping other people. And I'm like, you're not really thankful. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's a guy's. That's actually right. not even true. Yeah. So just Deflect. Call, call a duck a duck and say, no, that sucks. Yep, totally. Um. You know, so I, I I get I get all that stuff. Sure. Um, but I think at some point it just became this. Well, I'm a different man than I was. Yeah. Or would have ever been. My marriage is different than it ever would have been. Um, and again, I would not trade this for anything. Yeah. So. I have a niece. She's 15. Um, I have one brother, and so it's his daughter. She's uh 15, and late last year was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's mm -hmm. lymphoma and the treatments and everything have been great and yeah. she had to do chemo and then she had to do some like laser point radiation I don't know yeah. 
um, just recently to get kind of the chemo got rid of all 95% of it. Yeah. But what it didn't get rid of, they had to kind of radiate. And so, um, she's 15. Um, her head looks like yours. Hot. Yep. And, uh, just watching her, it's going to be interesting to kind of see her story unfold. Her attitude through the whole thing has been like, um, just inspirational. Yeah. You know, it's just been, uh, obviously first immediately she would cried and was upset because yeah. obviously yeah. it's shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with each step, it's just been like so inspirational to see her response to everything. And, um, and it's a very treatable form of, of that, yeah. which especially at her age. Yeah. Um, so there was always confidence in the diagnosis or in the prognosis and all that. Yeah. But, um, still to be a 15 year old girl and be completely bald and yeah. having to go through that. She just started back volleyball this year, which is pretty dope. Yeah. But, and, um, and this society too, to, to yeah. have to, I mean, it's, it's unhideable with all of social media and oh, everything. Yeah. And, and just, I imagine, cause I can only imagine that, that a diagnosis like that at that young just makes you grow up really mm. fast. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, there there are two things. One is that people in those circumstances, I, I often think it's harder for the person, the the loved ones, than it is for the person in the middle of it. I can um, see that. It just is a longer uh, road to acceptance. I imagine it is. Yeah, for for me, it was like a quicker road to acceptance. That's a great way to say that, TJ. It, it was a quicker road to acceptance because honestly, my kingdom was falling, and there was no, uh, I couldn't do anything about it. You know, right. it's like, man, this this just sucks, and it is yeah. what it is. Um, and I'm not the king of the kingdom. God, you are, so I'm going to let you have control because I can't do jack crap. I'm just, my body's broken. Yep. Uh, but the other person, the other people that are walking alongside, there's a different, you know, you're fighting for that person. You know, yeah. you can't do anything yeah. about it, so all you can do is worry, and all you can do is try to, so that that's, that's really profound for people that are in the middle of it. And I'm always telling pe- people, Hey, remember you're going to have your process. She's going to have her process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't manage hers. She can't manage yours. That's really good advice. Yeah. It, it really is helpful. I mean, I just, I've walked with now hundreds and hundreds of people through this. Cause I can see how it could get if, if the, if the patient is a little quicker to the acceptance and the, let, let's just, you know, is what it is. Let's yeah. move on. Let's let's treat it how we can. Blah blah blah. And other people around them are just constantly, you know, not accepting it. And I could see how some or days, over accept like over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I could see how some days you'd be like have a grace for that person, and then other days be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about cancer today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be the special one in the room today. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, so. that, that's a that's quite a road that I'm sure there are books on, but nobody mm-hmm. wants to read those books. Yeah, right. yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, I'm not going to read a book about this, you know. Right. So I, yeah. I get I hear the same story over and over all the time. Well, it's the cycle of grief, and it takes right. takes people with their individual personalities longer or shorter to move through all the steps. But right. you, you got to get to acceptance. At, yeah. By the end of it. Yeah. Well, so how how have you been because because you don't lead with that, and and when we met, I, I had no idea until yeah. until I heard you speak at church at some point. Yeah. So how do you move into relationships and making your music really speak for you? And and I feel like I feel like you're inextricable from the music that you make because it's it's so your heart yeah and how how are you leading with that these days and and what what is your desire for that that music to go into the world um i mean i these days i think i'm just i'm writing prayers that are hopefully my prayers in common to Mm. the rest of humans um, that's cool. So when I'm praying, our good friend David Leonard, he said at one point we were just talking about songwriting. He said, "Man, I write with with faces in mind." 
Mm. I thought, man, that is such a great line. Yeah. Um, so I, I really do. I'm trying to write, you know, just, I just showed you guys a, a song earlier. Yeah. And the, the chorus is, um, uh, and I'll, uh, oh my gosh, it's right here. I'll place no other gods before you, no other gods before you. Um, cause I know that they don't work. So I'll place no other gods. And I, that came out of a, a message that I gave at journey mm-hmm. and I was talking about the, um, one of the commandments, you know, place have there, thou shall have no other gods above. Mm-hmm. And I, it almost felt, and I'd always taken it most of my life as almost this arrogant God kind of going, you will have no other gods other than me. I'm awesome. And everybody else sucks. You know, yeah, that's yeah. how I read and, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. that's just, it's just always been that. Yeah. There's that, their tenor underneath it. And as I was reading, I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. There are no other, don't put any other gods before me because they don't work. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you can keep trying with whatever you want, all the different things that we could just discuss right now of different gods that we all use. But, buddy, they just don't work. It's like us telling our kids things like that. Like, buddy, I know you really dig money and you think money, this, you know, this 15 bucks that you just got is like going to get you everything or this little matchbox car is going to be the best. But, but it's just not going to make you really that happy. Yeah. You know, but I, I see that more as the heart of God. So when I'm writing songs, I'm thinking, what do I need to pray and be reminded of? So how do we help the rest of Jesus' people yeah, pray those awesome. prayers? So that that's what I get to do, and I'm real thankful for it. So can we talk for just, just a minute? Because I know you have a, a good relationship with the guys from, from Mercy Me. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard that song... Even if you don't, mm-hmm. I had no idea that that you had a hand in writing it. Yeah, and now knowing your story, <laughs> yeah, it seems so much like yeah. that is your process. Yeah, what does that song mean to you? Man, I mean, I wrote that five or six years ago, and with a friend, Crystal Lewis, and and I remember when we were writing that chorus. I'm like, uh oh, this isn't just a song for other people. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is my prayer. Oh boy. And so it just ended up being my prayer. She didn't use it on her record, and I was like, yes. So I went to Sony, my records, I'm like, you guys, this song is going to be so great. And for the most part, this is my main prayer. Like, my hope is not on what Jesus is going to do for me. Because mm-hmm. every time we put that into our hope, mm-hmm. we're totally screwed. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, we're limiting God. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I just do that all the time, and I've done that my whole life. It's like, okay, I will. I'm putting hope. Not saying that we can't be praying for things with that great expectations mm-hmm. of him showing up, because that's also a crazy phrase of him showing up. He just is. Yeah. But him doing what we want him to do and healing, we can agree in the name of Jesus. So I do that all the time with people. And for myself, I agree in the name of Jesus right now for healing for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and for your niece, you know. Um but for that to be my hope instead of just him alone being my hope, mm-hmm. I needed to pray that. So when I was writing that song, that was a deal. It was like, I know you're able. I know you can do all these things. But even if you don't, my hope is you. Like, that's the point. It's not that even if you don't, that is the point. The point is that my hope is you alone no matter what. So if you heal this or if you don't, giddy up. Like, yeah, I'm That's, good either way. So, oh so that was kind of that prayer. Yeah. And then when I was in this room and Bart was here and um, and I had sensed that song was for him uh, a few months prior. And anyways, my record label said it's a terrible, they didn't like the song and um, they wanted to do another song. I'm like, you guys, it's really good. Wow. And But I'm so thankful. One record of those other things right. that you go, man, I could have really gotten my, you know, Cheerios peed in or I could have mm-hmm. I could have let it go and so yeah. I, thankfully I did let it let it go and then uh, Bart, I just had the sense that this song was for Bart and but I would never go to my best friend and go hey man I got a song for you I think right. you know just I always want relationship versus totally. what anybody can do for me it's just yeah start there so um, I just said Jesus if it's for him then you can open that door I just will never open that door so he was in this room and sort of crying about a son with um diabetes and then all of a sudden he said the chorus verbatim to that song and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) he was sitting in your seat 
And I just turned around right here, and I, at the very end of our talk, I just said, man, can I just play this chorus? It has been, like, something good for my soul for the past, you know, X amount of years. And so I played that, and then we ended up rewriting the song, and then wow. we ended up at the Grammys. It was just one of those yeah, cool things. But, but how cool is that, that I didn't have to do anything? I didn't have to, like, pimp my way in, or that was Jesus opening doors because it was best for his kingdom at and that it's moment. And it's always the best way and yeah the best yeah story. gosh always and so why do i always try to make out with anything i can to get my way you know <laughs> yes, to just humping people's legs is just not the no, best way to no, do it <laughs> no yeah so that's kind of that that was my prayer and all of a sudden then it has become millions and millions of other people's prayers and that's um yeah so cool and i imagine just just writing it was was a, a bit of a catharsis in and of itself yeah, some songs are that way, as you know. Some songs are like, man, I'm in here crying by myself, yeah, um, yeah. or crying with another artist that I'm a writer. Um, some you just write and you go, yep, that's really true. Yeah, dang it, that's true. Mm-hmm. And then it hits other people really emotionally. So, yeah, they all. I don't even remember the process in that one. I mean, Bart and I kept going back and forth in the verses, and um, but once it happened, it was like, oh, this is so great. And I, I can't imagine that you haven't heard so many stories at this point of other people and how, how that song has, oh, daily has I get them. meant so much to them. Yeah. It, yeah, daily I get them. It's, and it's funny because not many people know that I wrote that song. Like, mm-hmm. that's not yeah necessarily, it's not out there. There's one person in this room that didn't know until just now. Yeah. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. This guy. Yeah. So it's also a good thing for my ego and for my heart. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just one more yeah. fat little Timmy thing that's like <laughs> yeah. not awesome and also great for uh, my soul. Like for the the deeper spiritual soul, mm-hmm. those are good. Anytime there's the gift of humility and having a right view of myself, yeah, those are good. Gifts. How would you say the the ego and and the heart soul piece coincide and and live together with you and this? phase of your life uh can you ask that another way for yes fi- for 500 yes um so you said it was it was great for the ego mm-hmm. also great for the soul how in this stage in your life are you leaning more into the soul uh, man you're really dissecting those uh i i i don't know if i will have a great answer for that. That's a great question. Um, I think the soul feels like something that's more lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the ongoing soul, spiritual soul care of my heart, uh, humility and being humbled in ways is really great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like it, nobody wants it. You know, it's just like sorrow. Nobody wants sorrow, yet sorrow is the only way we grow. It's the only way we learn. And so there's a, there's a point that I've, I've been leaning more into sorrow and damning it less. Mm. And, you know, Jamie, our friend, talks about blessing things like that. Like, yeah. well, I could damn it or I could bless it. Yeah. yeah. And there's a piece of blessing things that bring humility. Sure. Yeah. Like even, you know, we're all married, so even in those things where our wives need something from us mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm giving it to you or you're not giving me this or whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are invitations for us to yeah, like right. s- step it up mm-hmm. and go, okay, this is not what I want. It's not the way that I think it should happen, but this is what she is wanting. Um, just trying to figure that out. I mean, that's even like an invitation for us. Yeah to for our soul for actual soul care even though it feels like it's the other thing it's the opposite yeah it's opportunities for grace yeah which easy to say but harder to do oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely but it's also hard to to hate the road that that brought you to where you are Mm -hmm. when you're finally at peace with where that is Hmm. so since we only have a few more minutes i just want to kind of transition to kind of where you're at today, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to on the horizons? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to make a dumb bald joke, but nothing really came. You know what I mean? 
Totally. Um, you usually have one ready, ready yeah, yeah. to fire. No, nope, nope. It just Teed up. It just it just left me. Um, I think you know people. Uh, our friend Kevin, um, another one of our pa- friend pastors, he asked me a while ago if I feel like I'm spinning a bunch of plates, mm-hmm. and I said, "Man, that's a great question." I said, "No, I feel like I'm spinning one plate that has." Uh, a bunch of different kinds of food on it. They're always vying for my attention. Like there's mm. one mission that I wake up with every single day. Mm. And that's in everything that I do, whether it's uh, this podcast to writing songs, I'm about to sign another record deal, which is exciting, uh, to putting out a new record, um, to uh, I have a nonprofit called 10,000 Minutes. So I blog, it's called 10,000minutes100000minutes.com. And I blog every week on that. Um, uh, to even being a part of Journey Church, mm-hmm. I have one mission. So it's one plate, but it's always vying mm-hmm. for you know attention. All the food is you know that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. You could probably edit that. Totally. That would be way better. No, no. Um, if you had to narrow down what that mission statement is, yeah, I want to help people put Jesus into practice all week long mm. and be aware of Jesus all week long. Mm, that's good. Um, the idea is there are 10,080 minutes in a week, just trust me, and 80 of those minutes are in our gathering, which is awesome and so powerful, but there are 10,000 other minutes when I think all the stuff is hitting the fan at that point, Mm -hmm. not during the 80 minutes, and I just have been such a good American varsity Christian in the 80, and once the 10,000 minutes happen, it's kind of like, Jesus, I got this, until I really need him, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, Mm -hmm. dang it, Jesus, I need you right now. Instead of just trying to be more aware of them all day long. So all of my songs are hopefully prayers that will actually help people pray all week That's long, good. not just as we gather, you know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. and as we scatter, mm-hmm. we are in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus. So that's what I get most excited about mm. with anything I do is helping people awaken to Jesus during the week. Mm. Um, and then mostly just putting his invitations into practice. That's, that's awesome. what I like get crazy excited about so i write this on my wrist every day a little x on my wrist um for a few different reasons one is just i remember i got up another day like i literally made it another day good to hang with you nerds mm-hmm. um and then the other is that it's not about my kingdom today it's you know seek first the kingdom of god today not mine because i would abolish mine or try to protect it and then the other is just whatever practice that i'm doing um whether whether lately it's been just breathing in Jesus, breathing out, you have my attention. So every time I see this, I kind of just take a breath in oh, Jesus, breathe out, you have my attention. Mm. And it's just so helpful. Like I'm changing. My my heart is changing. I'm becoming more beautiful and more powerful just by putting Jesus' words into practice. Yeah. So that that's like what gets me up in the morning. And, and I remember um, that another thing you mentioned about the X is um, a reminder that it's with and not for. Totally. That was another practice. Which yeah. I think is amazing for any of us. Yeah. Because it's easy, especially those of us from a from maybe a more conservative or, you know, old school Christian background, it was always like, God, just use me. <laughs> Like, right, yeah. right, right, right. I'll be your tool. Doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a terribly abusive relationship. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a reminder that, how about just always be yeah. instead of doing just Do, be. doing it with him instead yeah. of doing it for him. Yeah. Even praying, you know, that hit me last year. It was like, oh, I've prayed f- like for God, like almost like I'm praying so he will do mm-hmm. something. Instead of just praying with him and joining him in the yeah. prayer, and it's the alignment thing, you know. Totally. Yeah. It's been so profound, but all this stuff has been helpful for me, even just seeing that. And um, hopefully other people are walking along with us and. Actually, there are. I, we just sent out something today with 10,000 minutes, and it's been amazing to see the story. So people that are giving us stories. We just got 500 stories in the past few, like, hours. Mm-hmm. So, I saw that you needed my help. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I need your I'll help, help you. I just but it's so cool. Like, what, what a great you. gift for my soul today yeah. um, to know that other people are seeing Jesus during the week because of something that we get to do with them, you know. Yeah, that's definitely a pick-me-up. Yeah. So uh, a great segue into the the final question that yeah. that we like to ask our guests is, yeah. what is giving you life these days? And by the way, that doesn't you don't have to 
reach into the innermost depths of your soul. It could be something fun and stupid. Yeah. Which could um, just I love gear, but yeah. that's uh-huh. not actually giving me life. That's mm. that's a big learning. Distraction. Uh, no, it just I think it gives me life and it doesn't. Because mm. uh, there's always then another piece of gear, yeah. like or yeah. a ge- yeah. guitar. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have many in this room, as you can see. No, um, or a hundred. Uh, honestly, what's so funny about this answer is it's the thing that's giving me the most life and the thing that's like killing me at the same time, mm. and that is being a dad. <laughs> Understand <laughs> it's, that it's like, it's like, man, it is the greatest joy of my day. And then it's the hardest. I mean, it's it's one I want to cuss. Yeah, yeah. And do, um, is in the context of mm-hmm. my kids. So it's just such a Bro. fascinating. It's like, it's. I was telling my my village last night, or just our friend group, um, that my heart is really being revealed in my parenting. Mm. Like things that I go, oh, that's oh yeah. Whoops, that's not pretty. Like yeah. there's something we need to like check in. There's some check engine lights going on. Mm-hmm. Yet it's my greatest joy. So. They're giving me the most life and sucking the most life out and of me. And well. yours are how old again? Uh, they are 12, 10, and then twins are 8. 12, 10, and 8. Yeah. Just a little encouragement. Mine are about to be 20, <laughs> 17, and 15. Yeah. It doesn't change. <laughs> the The reasons might be a little different, but it's pretty much still. Hey, Shane, you're number one in my book, and I yeah. hope you understand what that looks yes. like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. No, that's really good encouragement. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Wow. I'm glad. Yeah. It's been we really a great, great time. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Tim, for yeah, Of course, for, you guys. Uh, thanks for asking us. great questions. And for, for allowing us to sit in your awesome studio. Thank you. Thank you. We have 20 uh, bucks, so just leave that at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get you next time. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, man, it's I've I've known you for, I guess, about a year. Yeah. A little less. And uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. We we connect a little bit on the humor scale for sure. Mm. But uh, thanks for doing this, man. It's been awesome. Of course. And so you yeah. talked. So tell us all your stuff. Ten thousand. What's ten thousand minutes? Dot dot com. One zero 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 minutes dot com. And then if you want to get my weekly text encouragements, they're mm-hmm. like twenty five thousand people getting it. It's really fun. I'm one of them. So are you getting that? So you text. Uh, and the number is five five six seven eight. Five five six seven eight and mm-hmm. text put in the subject ten k one zero k so five five six seven eight and then ten k so okay. Instagram all the Tim all the Timmons things, music but, yep. also yep yep let's go and uh, Coldplay uh, slash Tim Timmons they've done some really cool things oh ha- absolutely so and Bono <laughs> is you know I don't want to brag but yeah <laughs> hold on Bono's calling right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, that was your four thirty. Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, yes. let's. Well, I'll, I'll clear the room for Bono. Up. Obama's calling. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, to him, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother.